All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you today. You know, I was thinking, man, it is, is a great day when I can come to the house of God and worship with the family of God. I don't know about you, but I needed that this morning. I needed to come and worship God. Speaking of family, I want to take a minute and welcome in our family joining us right now over at the South Campus and all of our family joining us online from wherever you are watching from or whenever, if this is in the future. And also a shout out to those watching from Upshur County Jail. Come on, North Campus. Let's tell them how much we love them. We love you so much. So grateful that you're with us today. You know, I've been hearing a lot of stories lately. People will come up to me at, uh, and just tell me that they've been watching online for a while, and this is their first visit. Uh, sometimes people have been watching for weeks, sometimes for months, and they'll, they'll come and meet me and say, hey, we, we just want you to know we've been online, but this is our first time today, or we've been coming a couple weeks. And so I just want to say, if you're still online and maybe you've never been to visit us, we would love to meet you. So come and say hello, come shake our hand, and Come experience what Jesus is doing here at New Covenant Church, but we're grateful to have you joining us online today. If you're new to us, we are in a series called How to Live Through a Bad Day, and uh, how many of you know, and I asked this question last week, how many of you know that we have some bad days in life, right? How many of you have ever, by show of hands, had a bad day, right? Okay, some honest people in the room today. Uh, online, I hope you are as well, but we've all had bad days, right? Some of you, maybe you're in a bad day today. Maybe you woke up and were upset that it was daylight saving time and, and you, you're like, you just set the mood off wrong for the rest of the day. You lack some sleep. Uh, maybe you uh, got in an argument on the way to church this morning. You know, that happens sometimes. It's like for out of the blue, you know, it's not like the enemy doesn't care if you go to church. He does. So maybe you're in the middle of a bad day though. Maybe, or, but what I do know is that if you haven't had one, you're going to have one because life is not easy. We were never promised just a bunch of good days. And, and we have to learn how to live through those difficult days in life. And this series is actually based on a book by a man named Jack Hayford, who wrote the book called How to Live Through a Bad Day. And it's examining the seven statements that Jesus made on the cross in his most painful moments, in one of the darkest days, you could say, in his life or in the followers of Jesus' life at that time. There were seven powerful statements that Jesus made that we're looking at, and he gave us some things that we can look to, like Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, it says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, right? We're, we're in this race of life, and we need endurance to make it through these difficult moments, so what do we do? We look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so as we are going through our difficult days, we look to Jesus to see how he made it through his. On the cross, what did he do to endure that pain? And he endured it for you, by the way. You're the joy that was set before him. You're the reason that he endured that suffering and that pain. And as we look to him, we keep our eyes on him and we endure through the things that we go through for the joy that's set before us, which is him. And what it says here that I love, by the way, is if you don't know this, that he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God right now, and other parts of Scripture tell you that he is praying for you. He's making intercession for his church. So we could be encouraged by that today, that no matter what we're going through, he is praying for us. Amen. And so last week, we looked at the first statement that Jesus made, found in Luke chapter 23, and it was really one of the most powerful phrases, and, and the first one that he said, and it's important that it was first, because it's the first step to getting through any difficult moment in your life, and what he said was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. 
And so we, we looked at how to forgive those who are trying to ruin your life. And that's how we feel, that when people do us wrong, we often feel like they're trying to ruin our life. And the first step to healing, the first step to freedom, is choosing to forgive. And so I want to encourage you, if you missed that, go back and give it a listen. And we may need to go back and give it a listen a few times, because forgiveness is not just a one-time deal. It's something that Jesus encourages us to do daily, right? We actually have to forgive if we want to receive his forgiveness. So I would encourage you to go back and listen, but we're going to go right into the next statement that Jesus made, and it's actually found in the same chapter, Luke chapter 23. We're just going to start reading in the very next verse from what we read last week. Verse 35 says this. So Jesus is on the cross. He's suffering, and it says that the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. And they called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Well, prove it by saving yourself and and save us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man, he hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied with these famous words, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. A powerful interaction there. There's so much in this story, but what was happening here is actually also a fulfillment of a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 53, where it says this in verse 12. It says, I will give him the honor, speaking of Jesus, of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. And he bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. Here Jesus was being counted among the rebels, being tried like a criminal, being hung up on a cross like a criminal, being hung between two criminals. This is the fulfillment of this prophecy. And what we talked about last week was the fulfillment of the second part of it, where it says he interceded for those when he prayed, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So I think it's powerful that we're seeing here this fulfillment of the prophecy that Jesus would be treated as a criminal, tried as a criminal, and counted among the criminals. So what does this statement and what does this interaction show us that Jesus was going through the same thing that these other two men were going through? He was going through the same bad day struggle that they were going through in this moment. And he could have been focused on his own pain. He could have been focused on his own problems. He could have been focused on how he was wrongfully tried. He could have been focused on how he's the son of God and didn't deserve this kind of treatment. Yet he didn't do any of those things. He responded out of love. He responded out of compassion. He responded out of humility as a person going through the same struggle that this man was going through. So the point of what we're going to learn today is when we go through difficult moments in life, we need to help others who are experiencing our same struggle. When you're going through pain, it's not just that you go through it, it's that you need to help others go through that same difficult moment. And sometimes that's the key to helping us get through ours is that we stop focusing on us and start helping someone else get through their difficult moments in life. In fact, there was a study done in 2017. It was two separate studies. It was a secular study, meaning it wasn't done by Christians or with Christians. And this study had a group of people 
they had two groups. In one group, they gave instructions to over this period of time, when you go through something painful, when you go through something difficult, what we want you to do is go and find someone else going through the same thing you're going through and focus your attention on helping them get through their moment get through their bad day, get through their pain. And the results were interesting over time that between the two groups, the one group that was focused on helping others in their struggle, they were less entrenched in their own pain. They gained some interesting perspectives on life and it helped them know how to get out of their own situation. And so I wanna show you three things that, that happen when you help others get through their struggle when you're going through the same thing. One is it opens our eyes to see the solution. You know, oftentimes pain is blinding. When you're going through something difficult, it's like the obvious answer is there, but you can't see it. That's why we can look in on someone else's situation and be like, how do they not know what to do? It's like so obvious how to get out of their pain. Well, when you're in the middle of it, you don't know. You're too close to the situation. That's like that phrase, you can't see the forest through the trees. Like you, you're lost. You don't know how to get out because it's just so close to you. It's too intense. And when you begin to help someone else, you start realizing that what advice you're giving them is actually the advice you need to take yourself because you can see it for them and then it reveals to you, oh, this is how I get out of this pain, right? So often when we do that, it opens our eyes to see the solution that we need ourselves. The second thing it does is it, it takes our mind off of our own pain. You know, if you have kids, you know this to be true. Uh, when your kid hurts themselves or cuts themselves or anything like that, it's not that bad until they look at it. And as soon as they look at it, they're like, oh my goodness, you know, like, I'm going to die. And then they're, they're screaming and they're crying and you're, what are you doing as a parent? Look at me, 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 look at me. Quit looking at that, look at me. Don't look over here, look over here, right? And you repeat yourself like a billion times, like, don't look over there, look over here, right? What are we doing? We're distracting them. We're trying to distract them from their pain because we know if they're not focused on their pain, the pain is not that bad. It's still pain. It's just not as bad. And it's a similar situation when you quit focusing on your pain and you start looking at someone else's. It's like your pain gets lighter. Your heaviness gets lighter. The pain seems to be less. The pity party is a little bit less when you're focusing on somebody else's pain. It reminded me of my grandpa years ago. I was in the backyard with him and I hurt my knee. And I was crying over my knee, and I was a little boy, and he was like, boy, what are you crying about? You know, I was like, I hurt my knee. He said, well, give me your hand. I'm going to smash it with a hammer. I promise you won't think about your knee. <laughs> That's not the distraction we're trying to give. We're not trying to hurt something else in order to take the pain. But the point is, oftentimes, when we are helping someone else, we don't even focus on our pain so much that we don't realize that it's, it's that bad, right? It's, our mind goes to a different place. And the third thing it does is it puts everything in perspective, this is something you can only gain when you're going through something difficult and you begin to help someone else. You begin to see that your life is really not as bad as you think it is. That even that moment you're in is probably really not as bad as you think it is. You begin to realize that other people go through difficult days as well. You begin to realize that other people are going through painful, hardful, I mean hard things as well. And I was reminded of a movie. How many of you have ever seen the movie Wonder? We did this movie as, at the movies a few years ago. The movie Wonder is about a little boy named Augie, and he has a disfigured face, so he always wears this space helmet because he's embarrassed of what people would say to him or how they would look at him, and he was bullied a lot. But he said something really powerful in this movie. He said, be kind because everyone is fighting a hard battle. 
And this is the reality. When you begin to realize what other people are going through, you begin to help them in it, you realize everyone's fighting a hard battle. Everyone's going through something. You're not the only one that's going through a bad day. And I was reminded this week of our beloved Pastor Paul, who went to be with the Lord at the end of 2020. Uh, Pastor Paul was our resident sage. He had been at our church for many, many years, and to know him was to love him. And uh, he, I'll never forget, he went through some painful moments in his life. He struggled with some sickness and pain in his body. But whenever you would ask him, how are you doing, Pastor Paul? His answer was always, I'm better than necessary. I'm better than necessary. He had a perspective on life that, yeah, I might be in pain. Yeah, these things might not be that great, but I'm better than I deserve. And it could be a whole lot worse. See, that's a perspective that you get when you begin to help other people in their pain. Pastor Paul didn't live for himself. He lived to help other people. Another thing that helps you get this perspective, which we really can't do as much currently because of what happened in 2020, but that's missions. If you've ever been on a missions trip or been anywhere else in the world, you gain a perspective that you can't gain without leaving your sphere of influence. When you go to other countries and you begin to see what other people are going through, I've been to many places in the world where I've seen people living with so little and in so much poverty, and it looks like they're in so much pain, but they have so much joy because they, it doesn't matter what's going on around them, but you get a perspective of like, man, I thought my problems were bad. I thought I didn't have something. Or have you ever heard the phrase first world problems? So what we say here in the West when we have a problem and it's really not that big a deal, they say, oh, it's a first world problem. Like, my internet is slow or, you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like stuff that's just silly, you know, or oh, the gas is so high, you know, it's like, it's a first world problem. You're still paying for the gas. You still have money to pay for gas, right? We, we just need a perspective that in other places of the world, our problems would be their joys, you know, and so... We just needed sometimes a different perspective. And sometimes you can only gain that perspective when you begin to help someone else. And you don't do it to say, oh, well, I want to feel better about my life. No, that's not it. It's that you need to realize life is not all about you. And you can realize that I, I'm not here just to help me. I'm here to help other people. There, there's a phrase that was going around. It's still popular. People think it's actually in the Bible, and it's not. Uh, and that is God helps those that help themselves. You know, you hear, like, the good Lord said, God helps those that help themselves. No, he didn't say that. It's not in the Bible. In fact, the Bible teaches us actually something very different, that God helps those that help others. Look at this passage in Isaiah 58. There's some beautiful promises in here. Verse 10 says, feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Because when you're doing that, then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. In other words, as you start to help other people, as you start to focus on helping them get through their situation, light comes in. Your light goes out of you, and then it's like your day gets brighter. The dark things around you begin to get bright. Verse 11 says, And the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry, restoring your strength. And you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring, that when you begin to help others, it's like God steps in. He strengthens you. He waters you. Your life begins to look like it's flourishing and growing. Things around you change when you start helping other people. Amen. I love that verse in Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. It's one of my favorite Proverbs. It says that the generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. When you live your life focusing on how to bring water to someone else who's in trouble, to help their day get better, to help them through their struggle, God's promises to you are that he's going to help you, that you yourself will be refreshed and that light will come in to your life. 
And it's verses like these that remind us that we don't exist to be served. We're here to serve other people. Like Jesus said, right? He said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came as a servant. And so when we serve, one of our values here at New Covenant is we say we choose to serve with humility. In other words, we're not too proud to say, hey, if you're going through something, I'm going to help you. If you need to be served, I'm going to get down and go through this with you. I will serve you whatever you need to be served in because Jesus is a servant. And I would just encourage you, some people just wait around till their life gets better to start serving other people, and you're going to be waiting a long time. Because life has a way of bringing you curveballs and ups and downs, and there's never a perfect circumstance where you're like, now's a good time to serve others. You just got to start doing it. And something powerful happens in you when you serve other people. But something even more powerful happens in you when you begin to serve in the middle of your dark days, in the middle of your pain, and in the middle of your struggle. God steps in. And he helps you when you cannot help yourself. And we, we remember and we realize in that moment that life is not about us. And when we serve, it's not just about helping them. We're actually helping us. I was reminded of Paul. Paul had some difficult days. If you read about the Apostle Paul in Scripture, if anybody had an opportunity to complain about their life, it was Paul. Went through some of the hardest things that we would ever go through, yet Paul never seemed to lose focus on God. And, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, he says this. He says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father, and he is the source of all of our comfort. He comforts us in our troubles. Why? So that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. When you go through something painful and God steps in to help you, it's not just for you. It's so that you can take that comfort and go and then begin to comfort others when they're going through something difficult as well. And that word comfort, it doesn't just mean like, oh, let me pat on the back and just say, hey, brother, hope you have a great day. That's not what it is. It means to come alongside, to get down in it with you, to be there alongside you and with you. And this is what God does for you so you can do this for other people. In fact, isn't that what, what Jesus did is, is he got down and experienced all the same things that we experienced so he could come for us when we go through them? right? That's what we talked about last week is that he lets us experience this pain. He lets us experience difficulty. He lets us experience fear, whatever it may be, so that we can identify with other people when they're in it. See, we serve a God who wanted to identify with you. And that same model is for us, is that when someone else is going through something painful, we can say, hey, I know what you're going through because I've been through it. And we step in to help them. Now, God doesn't cause the pain. He's not the source of the pain, but he doesn't stop the pain. He doesn't stop the bad days, right? Why? Because he likes to use those. He likes to use them for our gain, right? You've ever heard this phrase? I, I saw this going through a while back where people were putting these stickers on their car that said, no bad days. I was like, that's impossible. <laughs> there are going to be bad days. It should say no wasted days. No wasted pain. No wasted difficulty. No wasted struggle. Because you're going to go through it, just don't waste it. Know that if you're going through it, it's not just for you to get through it. It's for you to help somebody else get through it. And when we comfort others in their struggle, we're not comforting them from this place of our superior faith, like, oh, look at how great we are. No, we comfort them from the place of our similar struggle, of saying, yeah, I know what you're going through. I've been through it. 
This is why one of our values is authenticity here at the church. We say we choose authenticity. We choose to live in the light. We choose to live in open fellowship with other believers because you need to know that I've had some struggles. You need to know that I've had some problems so that we can help each other through those. Why? Because people don't relate to your perfection. They relate to your struggles. If people perceive that you've never had a problem in your life, they're not going to perceive you can help them through anything. But when they realize, oh, this person has issues too, which we all do, and if you don't think you do, you're fooling yourself, and that's your issue, is that you're lying to yourself. But when, you, when people realize that you have had struggles, they, they can relate to you. They can say, maybe this person can help me. And this is what the beautiful thing about God is, is that he knows we're going to go through difficult days. And he takes those difficult days and turns them into good days. He can take the bad things in our life and turn them into good things. He takes our pain and he turns it into a tool to help others. I, I wrote it this way in my notes. Oftentimes, the pain we go through reveals the purpose that we're called to. Not always, but oftentimes when you go through pain in your life, something gets revealed in you that God allowed you to go through this as a part of your testimony to help other people who've gone through this pain. It becomes a part of your purpose, your redemptive purpose, which God puts you in this earth for. I was thinking about a young woman in our church that this is the case with, uh, a young woman named Glory Harwig. You may have seen her last week on a, on a testimony video, but Glory came to our church through the ministry of Embrace Grace. And if you don't know what Embrace Grace is, it's a ministry we have to young women who get pregnant out of wedlock. It's an unplanned pregnancy, and they're in a difficult moment, and there's some difficult decisions, and they're going through some painful days. And she came into this ministry, and God just began to re replenish her and restore her. And now she's one of the team members who's leading this ministry, using that to help other women who've gone through something similar. It revealed a passion in her as a part of her purpose to help other women go through what she went through so that God gets the glory in the end. This is the case probably in your life. I bet if you think through some things you've been through, you'll realize that God allowed you to go through it. He brought you through it so that you can help other people go through something very similar. It's a part of what we're called to do. We're not supposed to stay stuck in our pain. We're supposed to help others through the same pain that we have been through. So how do we help others in their struggle? I'm going to give you a few things, three things that we find in Jesus' phrase, right? We're going to look at what Jesus offered people, and then we just offer them the same thing that he offered them. It's all found in Luke 23, 43, and we'll break it down this way. The first part here is this. It says, and Jesus replied, I assure you. I assure you. What is he doing? He's giving an assurance of something here. And what that does is it offers stability, Jesus was offering this man stability. And this is what we need to be able to offer people in the middle of their difficult moments is stability about the future. See, Jesus was saying, I assure you of this. Now, how many of you know that when you're in the middle of pain, we all want assurance that things are gonna be okay. When the storms of life come, we all want assurance that we're gonna make it through, right? And, and this is what Jesus was offering him. He's, he's saying, listen, I assure you that if you listen to what I'm about to tell you, things are going to be okay. See, I can tell you a lot of great things, but it really doesn't matter what I say. What matters is what Jesus said. That's what you build your life on. This is the assurance that you can have in this life. That's how you have stability in your life is you build your life on the words of Jesus and what he has given us assurance of in his word. I was thinking about Matthew chapter seven where Jesus tells this parable of a man who built his, his life on or his house on the sand. It was an unsure foundation. That's like people who hear the word of God but don't build their life on the word of God. 
And then there was a man who built his life on the rock. And when the storms of life came, when the winds came and the, and the waves came, the one who did not build his life on the words of Jesus, that house fell down. But the man who built his life in his house on the words of Jesus was like building on the foundation of a rock. And it reminds me today that when the storms come, the house still stands when you build your life on the assurance of Jesus' words. So what we can offer people is stability of what Jesus said in his word. That if you'll build your life on this, it doesn't matter what you go through. It's going to be okay. Amen. You're going to make it through. Amen. It's like John 16, says. This is both a comforting and uncomforting verse at the same time. Jesus said, here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Remember I told you last week that if anybody told you as soon as you get saved, you're going to have no bad days. They lied to you. Because Jesus said, yeah. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have trials. You're going to have sorrow, but what? But take heart, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. If you build your life on Jesus, you can take heart that even though storms will come, he's already overcome and you're going to be okay. So when people are going through difficult days, first we have to take the stability offered in Jesus' words. Then we offer stability to people going through a similar struggle. Let's keep reading in Luke 23, 43. It says, and Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me. That phrase, today you will be with me. That's something that we really all want to hear when we're in the middle of a difficult situation, right? Hey, today you're going to be with me. What is he offering here? He's offering support. Isn't that what we want most when we're going through something difficult? We want someone to come alongside us and say, hey, I'm going to be with you through this. I'm going to support you through this. You're not, you're not alone in this. Some of the most encouraging and comforting words in Scripture is when Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will not abandon you or leave you orphans. No, I'm going to be with you. That's what, that's what people want to hear from us as well. That's why we say we're not meant to do life alone. Don't do life alone. You were never meant to try to make it through this life on an island by yourself. You need the words of Jesus that he said he'll be with you, and you need his body that says I'll be with you. People to come alongside you and support you in your most difficult days. Because when you're going through something painful like that alone, if you fall, you're in real trouble. This is what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help, but one who falls alone is in real trouble. When you're going through a difficult day, when someone reaches out their hand and says, hey, I know you're in pain, but I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to be a support to you. I'm going to be here with you. Verse 11 says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? This is that picture again of support, of just being there when people feel cold, with just being there when they feel alone. Verse 12 says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. There's this picture and this imagery, really not just here, but all throughout scripture about how we need each other to fight together, to stand together. When we go through ups and when we go through downs, when we're in a battle, you don't need to go through this alone. And I'm reminded for the years and years of our church of just thinking through so many stories. I could tell you story after story after story of people that have gone through difficult things, like that they've gotten a bad diagnosis where they found out they had cancer and the body of Christ just stepped in and people said, we're gonna come and help you. We're gonna go to doctor's appointments with you. We're gonna make meals for you. We're gonna take care of your house for you. We're gonna pray with you. We're gonna stand with you. 
I can tell you stories of loss where people have lost loved ones and family members and spouses and, and someone just showed up in their life and just sat with them, provided meals for them, helped them know how to navigate this difficult moment, said, you're not alone in this. I'm gonna help you through this. When, the, when actual storms have come and trees have been knocked down and gone through people's roofs, I can tell you stories of how just the church showed up and tarped roofs and cut trees down and allowed people to live with them. Why? Because this is what it means to live together as the body of Christ. This is what it means to help support people when they go through difficult days. It's like you forget what you're going through and you just step in and say, hey, I'm going to help you. We all need someone like that. This is what God calls us to as the body of Christ. And the reality is, is when you begin to help someone in their struggle while you're in a struggle, then you have each other. And if you have no one else, then you've got each other and you help each other through it. So we offer support. And look at the, the third thing that Jesus said in this passage, Luke 23, 43. It says, and Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. In paradise. What, what is he saying here? There's controversy over what in paradise means. There's, it's mentioned in a couple places in scripture, but it's clear that the definition of that word and what was meaning was it was a clear resting place with Jesus. Many people or most people believe that he was referring to heaven. It's clear that Jesus was offering him something powerful in this moment. He was offering him salvation. And when someone's going through a difficult moment in their life or a painful day in their life, they're most open to receiving Jesus in that moment. They're most open to the potential of salvation. And we need to offer them what Jesus offered is the hope of a future with him. His response in this moment of offering this man saying, I will be with you today in paradise, it reveals Jesus' mercy, it reveals his grace, it reveals his readiness to forgive, it, forgive it, it reveals here that it's never too late to come to Jesus. It's never too late to cry out. People often think, I'm gonna be like that thief on the cross and just in my last moments cry out. But it's true, it wasn't too late. Jesus' mercy and grace is revealed in this story and really the gospel is wrapped up in this story as well. You begin to see the picture of a criminal who did nothing to earn paradise. He did nothing to earn a future with Jesus. In fact, if anything, he had done everything to deserve where he was. He was being tried for crimes he did commit. He was on a cross for crimes he did commit. And in a moment, he cried out to Jesus and he put his faith in him. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's no proof there in that moment that Jesus was the king and going to have a kingdom. But he put his faith in something he couldn't see because he trusted Jesus. There's so much power in this story because one criminal, one criminal focused on his own pain. Save me, get me off the cross. And he missed Jesus. Sometimes we can get so lost in our own pain that we miss Jesus. The other criminal, he cried out to God in his pain. He said, save me, Jesus. Remember me, Jesus. He got heaven. He got eternity with Jesus. And this is what we know is that Jesus offered him a hope of a future with him. See, that's what Jesus offers every single one of us. He never told us that he would get us out of every single bad day in the moment we ask him. But he did say, hey, you may have some bad days, but you're going to have a better future. If you put your faith in me, you're going to have a better hope of a future. Look at John 14, 1. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I know it's difficult right now, but don't be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me, he said. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, 
What I've told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. He was comforting them with the hope of heaven. He was saying, yeah, it's difficult now. Yeah, you may have some bad days now, but I'm telling you, I've gone ahead of you. I'm preparing a place for you. There's room in my father's house for you. We've never had a promise of no bad days, but we always have a promise of a better future. And we have a promise that he'll be with us in in it and through those days. So I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know if you're in the middle of a bad day or if you're in the middle of a dark day, but what I do know is this. No matter how dark your day gets, the future is always bright with Jesus. With Jesus, it always always is bright in the future. And for those of us who have that hope, that light has come into us, we're supposed to be those dealers of hope to other people that say, hey, there's a better future for you. Yeah, I know it's tough now, But if you'll receive Jesus, if you'll let him walk through you with this, there is a better future for you in heaven. And that's what we're all called to, is to be a people who aren't so focused on ourselves, aren't so focused on our pain that we miss the opportunities to help other people get through their difficult days and ultimately give them the greatest thing that we could give them, which is Jesus and salvation and a hope of the future. Would you take a minute and pray with me wherever you are? I know that I'm talking to people today who are in a difficult day. Maybe you've gone through some pain. and Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm just so focused right now on myself. I can't, seem to, I can't seem to get through this. And I just want to pray for you first. And I just want to say, God, I ask that you would help each and every person today who's, who's in the middle of a painful situation. Your promise to be with us and to bring light into our life, God, is in your word. And so I ask today that you'd be with them. I pray that you'd bring comfort to them, the the comfort that only you can give through your Holy Spirit. Not so that we can just get better and stay better ourselves, but that we can take that comfort and we can now begin to let it flow through us to other people to help them in their difficult days. I pray that we would not be a people who are so consumed with ourselves, God, that we forget to serve other people that we forget why we're actually here, God, that we have the hope of the world in Jesus. And I just pray today, God, that you would help every person in a difficult day now or in the difficult days in the future, God, to turn our attention to others, God, to let hope and light come into our life and flood through us to others. And we thank you that you promised to be with us in it and through it. And I wanna pray for those today. Maybe you're here today and you identify with the thief on the cross. That maybe you're like, you know what, I, I'm, I'm at that place where I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in my last moments and I just need to cry out to God. Maybe today you just need to cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, remember me. Jesus, forgive me. I want to give my life to you. I, I, I've been doing it on my own. Things aren't working well and I'm ready to go all in with you. If that's you today, wherever you are, you can cry out to Jesus and he will remember you like he remembered the thief on the cross. He will say, I remember you. Today you will be with me. Today I will be with you. He can give you an assurance of a better future with him. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give you that opportunity to pray that prayer. And I'm going to ask all of us to pray this prayer as well to help those who are making this decision. And like we say every week, it's not this prayer that saves you. It's what you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And if you give your life to Jesus, he promises to receive you and give you the grace and the mercy that you need. So let's just just pray this and let's help those who are praying this for the first time. Jesus, I come to you. I give you my life today. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me for doing things my way. I choose to live for you. Receive me today, Jesus. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with those that made that decision? Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. I pray this message encouraged you, inspired you, and maybe even challenged you a little bit. If you made a decision for Jesus, we are celebrating with you. Welcome to the family of God. We would love to know about it. So message us online or you can text yes card to 903-200-3808 and let us know what decision you made. We wanna come alongside you, help you find a local church. It's very important to be connected to the local body of Christ, whether with us or somewhere else. So let us know so we can help you and let you know your next steps with Jesus. I'd love to see you real soon in person, but until then, know that I'm praying for you. I'm praying God's best in your life. God bless you.